Welcome to the Healthcare Quality Cast, where we spotlight today's most exciting and inspiring quality professionals within the healthcare industry. Our podcast will dive into the career journeys of leaders that work daily to improve quality, safety, and service outcomes for patients, their family members, and their communities at large. Our mission is to provide motivation and direction to our listeners, encouraging you all to continue your efforts in improving the overall quality of healthcare. And now, your host, Jarvis Gray. Quality people, welcome to episode number 64 of the Healthcare Quality Cast, powered by the Quality Coaching Company. I am your host, Jarvis Gray, and as promised from last week, we are officially back this week with a brand new episode and another quality guest that is guaranteed to impress with his insight and expertise. Today, I am honored to introduce you to David Chomo. David is the data visualization principal and leader of the Visualization Center of Excellence at Humana's IT Information Management and Analytics Area. In this role, he helps guide business partners, IT partners, and senior leadership in finding the story and actionable opportunity within their data. In addition to his daily work, David speaks, educates, consults, and mentors on a variety of topics, including data literacy, the fundamentals of data visualization, and best practices in UI UX design. Prior to Humana, David worked as a marketing, advertising, and communications art director. He has created some of the world's most recognizable brands, such as the Discovery Channel's original Animal Planet logo. In his role as Senior Art Director for the World Wildlife Fund, he has led and designed countless products and award-winning advertising campaigns, some of which can still be seen in airports and other locations across the country. David's expertise in visual storytelling and design has contributed to many other local and global advertising campaigns for the Discovery Channel, Lockheed Martin, Papa John's, and the famous Got Milk campaign from back in the day. Here in episode number 64, David starts our show with the leadership mindset reminding us to understand our work thoroughly and to always strive for excellence. David shares his unique career path going from 20 plus years focused in marketing and advertising to leading an innovative data visualization center of excellence in healthcare. As an analytics expert, David shares a dark moment story connected with the holy trinity of data storytelling. David shares with us three steps for approaching data visualization projects. He highlights how he uses a pitch approach with stakeholders for the projects that he leads. David shares a career aha moment, teaching us to lead with the story first. He shares with us his excitement and vision connected with data democratization and data literacy. And he gives us his best career advice centered around working hard for what you need and focusing on what you do best. David, thank you tremendously once again for bringing your absolute best to our show today. Quality people, the moment that you realize a former art director for the World Wildlife Fund is leading our conversation and dropping some of the best insights of our show today is the moment that you will truly appreciate the impact of the real level of thought diversity needed to push our healthcare industry to be the best future state version of itself. Everyone, I appreciate you so much for checking out this discussion with David. Please be sure to join our LinkedIn group. Please also leave us a review through iTunes or wherever you listen to this podcast. Take care, and we'll be back next week with another quality guest. Thank you for joining in on another episode of the Healthcare Quality Cast, and today I'm here with my guest, David Chomo. David, are you ready to share with some quality people? Absolutely. Let's do it. 
our wonderful world. David, I, I've thanked you about a thousand times so far, and I can't thank you enough. So just want to lead in with another round of thanks um, for joining our show. We had the chance, obviously, to connect a few weeks ago at the Healthcare Data Analysts Analytics Conference. And so just the fact that um, you're giving your time, man, I, I was really impressed with um, you, your vibe, your knowledge that you shared during that conference. So I'm uh, really excited to have you on. I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, David, we love to get every show started with positive affirmations to, to really get our momentum going. I uh, would love if you could share a favorite leadership quote or mindset, but also tell us why it appeals to you and how do you apply it on a daily basis? Uh, okay. Well, if you allow me to, because there are two that I, I live almost every day by. Uh, the first came from Einstein, and he made a statement that's uh, uh, where he stated, if you can't say it simply, you don't understand it. That's powerful and meaningful to me within the data visualization world because part of our overall charge and task is to take very complex ideas and boil them down to a level of simplicity and a level of intuitiveness. And so that's really meaningful to me. And, and by continuing to remind myself every day of that statement, it, it gives me some focus to my task. The second is accept the challenges so you may feel the exhilaration of victory. Um, it has been attributed to several authors in the past. I don't know if anyone truly knows where it comes from. But what that reminds me of on a regular basis is to push and strive for better. Um, you're going to have failures in life, and that's okay. But being able to pick yourself up and move on and keep your eye on the prize, essentially, you will, uh, in most cases, find yourself in a position of success. That's great, great, um, you know, quotes and great mindsets, I think, for starting our show, David. And, um, you know, Part of, I think, part of my introductions during the um, data analytics conference is that I am something of a healthcare quality improvement leader who really respects the heck out of data analytics. But um, even you being the data analytics professional, I, I think both of those quotes will strike home with both of our, our worlds. They're actually, you know, kind of kissing cousins of each other. But um, yeah. that, that Einstein quote specifically, that's one I use with a lot of the teams that I coach, especially when we're doing um, a lot of our process analysis work. Um, so to the same mindset, it's if we don't understand, if we can't explain it simply, we don't understand it, you know, thoroughly enough. Um, so I, I really appreciate that. But I think both of those quotes are going to resonate and go, go really far with our audience. Um, David, I'd love to push you to the next question and really get to know more about you. I uh, would love for you to share with our quality people um, an overview of the work that you're doing, your current role your professional background, but definitely around what got you into this career path? Well, it's an, a very unique journey. And I think we talked about this down in Florida when we were there at the conference. Um, so my current role uh, is data visualization principal, and I lead the Visualization Center of Excellence at Humana. In both of those roles, and they're really kind of part in part, uh, in the data visualization role, I work with our senior leadership, our IT partners, and our business partners coming up with the best visual data stories around their data. And that usually uh, evolves into either a dashboard, a digital report, 
or an interactive application. So bringing a lot of the data to light, bringing forward those insights and bringing forward those meaningful and actionable opportunities is really our task. The Visualization Center of Excellence came from doing that job every day and the more folks that I worked with, the more the other internal teams, especially from the business side of the house, who also had data and analytics teams, came forward asking questions like, where can I get the styles for those particular objects? Uh, do you have any good references or books or, or research elements that I can learn more about data visualization? And the more questions I got, the more I determined that there was just a need for a reference. Um, and so the Visualization Center of Excellence is an internal website that we developed to publicly push out that information that I don't necessarily own, but that I practice. And um, really it's, it's in part to get everybody on the same page, but it's also, uh, it serves as an inspiration of how can we do our jobs better within data visualization. The journey to get here was unique because for the last 20 plus years, I've lived in the world of marketing and advertising as a communications art director and graphic designer. Coming into the world of data and analytics was foreign uh, six years ago when I started here at Humana. And so I, I stumbled through that journey of identification, understanding where I belong not really having a tremendous background and understanding of what data visualization was at the time, I needed to kind of find my place. In my previous roles, whether it be at the Discovery Channel or at the World Wildlife Fund, or whether it be for the ad agencies, the advertising agencies that I had worked for at the time, in all of those roles, it was very clear. I apply all of the basic knowledge of graphic design, visual communication, and storytelling into marketing, advertising, communication design. Um, posters, merchandise, branding, logos, website design, you name it, I did it over my career. But it was, it was that marriage of understanding that there's a role for that within the data and analytics community. And it was really about finding, finding my own path and journey. And I think we'll touch on that in a little bit here. Well, and David, I, I personally, again, when um, I met you and had a chance to kind of read your bio um, down in Florida, the thing that did stand out was that background around arts and, you know, visual management. Um, you mentioned it, everything from marketing and uh, graphics design. Um, I, I'll say, David, so I, I'm an engineer that came from outside of healthcare into healthcare. I've been in healthcare 13 years now, um, but that's the thing I love about healthcare is that uh, it, it lends itself to so many different, um, you know, backgrounds, not just uh, the obvious clinical backgrounds, um, but I would personally say I think it's needed to have, you know, folks with very unique backgrounds like yourself coming in and bringing that external knowledge to, to push, you know, the things we're doing on a daily basis in a different direction. So um, very fortunate, very thankful to have you kind of in this journey with us to, to make healthcare better. So. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. It's been it's been exciting, to say the least. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Um, I say all that nice stuff, David, to set you up for my next question, <laughs> which I actually kind of call I've been calling with a number of guests uh, the dark place question. 
So okay. would love for you to take us on a journey, David, to a point in your healthcare um, leadership, your healthcare analytics career path that you would call one of the worst moments of your career. Um, would love for you to share that story with us, you know, kind of your best failure mindset, but share with us really um, what did you do to kind of push through it, to overcome it, and some of the lessons learned throughout that journey? There are so many in my career. It's difficult to highlight a particular one, but I think one of the most recent examples that really illustrate how to come out of that challenge in particular um, actually happened the second day on the job here at Humana. Um, I came in, as I mentioned, into this career a little naive to what data visualization was specifically and how to apply it without any data and analytics background. I was hired specifically to tell visual stories just using data as my core content. So when I joined and I started, I realized that I was going to be working with data scientists, developers, programmers um, being nested in IT. And that was a new world for me. I was asked to put together a product, <clears throat> a dashboard. It was a reinvention of an existing printed Excel document and to bring it into um, a digital interactive clickable drillable type format. We just went into it naively and, and I'm gonna use that word repetitively because a lot of my early portion of my career was naive. And I just started designing the story. I just started designing like I would have designed a website or a static product, a poster, a document. Um, used all of my best visualization techniques, came up with this beautiful thing. Uh, the IT team, the solution engineering team who was responsible for implementing it, saw it, did not comment, worked very hard over the course of months and months and months to build this thing to make it look and work exactly the way that I had designed it, all to find out that it was gonna break. The user experience ended up breaking, the back end broke, the tool that we built it in broke. <laughs> I mean, you name it, it was a disaster on all levels. What I learned very quickly was that I can't be that naive. It's one thing to be data and tool agnostic during a good data story development process because you want the story to reign king. However, if you don't have in the back of your mind the technology or where the data is gonna come from or the data sources themselves are, you kind of shoot yourself in the foot. So I've learned how to balance that holy trinity, if you will, the visualization story, the data and the tool or the platform and be able to find the right way to work those so that you still end up with a great looking user experience, a great tool for insight using the right platform for the product and also being able to bring that data in seamlessly. Now that's a good, um, a good first story, I guess a good first introduction to uh, the world of healthcare you know, through the eyes of uh, data sto <laughs> storytelling and uh, data analytics. I didn't know what I was getting my, yeah, I didn't know what I was getting myself into. <laughs> yeah, I, I often share a story, David, about my very first project in healthcare um, just a couple of weeks after I started. And basically I got in front of the crowd, the, the team that I was leading was like, all right guys, follow me, we're gonna do this, this, and this, and you know, just guns blazing. And one of our nurse managers was like, hey, new guy, have a seat. 
And so um, that was kind of my, you know, it's kind of like when you see the uh, NFL players, they, the rookies yeah. get hit for the first time. It's like, welcome to the NFL rookie. Um, yep. <laughs> but uh, no, David, I, I guess my, my spinoff question for you based on your story would love to, um, to maybe get your thoughts given that first experience. What's your approach to planning some of the projects that you do, especially now that you've learned tremendously over the time, um, what does planning for uh, data analytics visualization and definitely even around particular platforms look like in your world? Because um, as our, our audience of healthcare leaders, healthcare quality people, and I, I'm sure we have a number of an, uh, analysts in the mix of our audience, you know, just whatever you could teach them in terms of, hey guys, you're on a new project, that's going to require some levels of storytelling and analytics and all of the above. Um, here's, you know, three steps or whatever your approach is to kind of getting started. So you don't maybe have some of those same first hiccups. So I leverage what I've learned in art school coming up through a creative profession. Um, all of the work that I've done in all of my previous jobs, but when you're trying to craft a good story, regardless of what your content is, whether it be your brand, whether it be a story that you want to turn into a movie, whether it be data, you have to focus on what you're trying to say with the data. And I think if you spend more time doing that and less time picking a tool or working out your data model or your back end, you will experience more success in the end product we all consume information and we all consume information visually, uh, especially in this world. We're, we're over inundated with visual information, with social media, communications, you think about advertising, marketing. I mean, we are just bombarded with it. So understanding how to communicate something visually and what that story is, is always that first step. The second step is to identify the data and make sure that the data support your story. In some cases, um, like Humana, we have too much data to some degree. Um, so it's a matter of deciding what am I going to use to tell the story. But more importantly, if you don't think you have the data, instead of sacrificing the story, go and try to find the data to support the story. The third is usually picking the tool or the platform because there are certain BI tools like your ClickFuse, your Tableaus, your Power BIs of the world. Um, as well as .NET solutions, custom building something. Depending on how, what tool you're going to use to build this um, really depends on the purpose you want it. So for example, if you're going to use something uh, or, or create a real-time story, uh, you're not going to use a ClickView product. It's not really built for that kind of uh, insight. So you want to understand what are the best tools for the trade, uh, best tools for the product, and then move forward from there. Then you figure out the visualization. Now, a lot of times I inter exchange picking the visualization after I pick the data. And it's because depending on the story and depending on the data, the visualization will kind of come forward. If I'm trying to show trend, there are only so many options to trend visualizations. The reason why sometimes I wait until I select the platform of the tool is because some platforms and tools have built-in visualization, perfectly great visualization. Some don't. So if I'm picking a .NET solution and I know I have to custom build my visualizations, 
then I'm going to wait until the technology is chosen first. If you go about this process with story being king, as I mentioned before, then being able to identify the data to support it, and then figuring out the tool and the visualization kind of third, you, you'll find yourself in a really great spot because now you're taking out that, that pain and struggle of dumping data into a tool, messing around with it, moving it around to figure out the data and the actions and the functionality, and then slapping a visualization on the end just to make it look pretty, and you're gonna find yourself creating a more successful product. All right, David, that was a, a wonderful synopsis there. And the, the big takeaway that I think I have from the way you laid that out is really kind of the alignment, because if you're starting with your objective, searching for the right data to support it, searching for the right tools to support that data, searching for the right visualizations, visualization based on the capabilities of the tools, it sounds like you will have a very well aligned story, um, project or, or ability to help your executive teams or your, your stakeholders, your consumers, your customers um, get really valuable insight from everything you pull together there. Well, and I just wanna to add to that. So when you think about the user experience, our jobs in part within data visualization is to think like almost a traditional web designer. There's concepts out there called human-centered design thinking, design-led thinking. There's a number of ways that it can be labeled. But when you think about the human interaction, when you think about the human user experience and what the person who's going to log into this product is going to look for and you focus your attention on that versus all the technical stuff that we traditionally do within data and analytics, um, data science, uh, IT, it's, it's a very messy technical world. The end user usually is not that technical. Mm -hmm. So when you focus on what they're going to experience and you focus on communicating the story for them, all of the other stuff can happen behind the scenes. They don't have to know what's happening behind the magic curtain to make it work. They don't need to know about the technology stuff. They don't need to know about the data model. They just need to know that they can trust the data that it's not gonna break when they use it and that they can find what they're looking for quickly. Perfect, so uh, takeaway there is folks do not wanna know how the sausage is made, they just want breakfast, so. <laughs> no, that's wonderful, David. Now I appreciate you digging in with those additional questions. Um, now go ahead and move you to my next question and kind of in a similar mindset, but I would love for you to give our quality people a tip, tool, or tactic that you found works really well for building up intimate connections on the teams that you work with. Um, but share with us, uh, what is it and how do you apply it? I come from the professional world of selling product. So I tend to pitch and sell my concepts and ideas from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. um, if I come up with a story around data that I think is gonna be meaningful and insightful, it might drive our direction as an organization for our decision makers or for our leaders in general. I have to sell them that this is the best idea. We have tens of thousands of product dashboards, reports, et cetera, in our Humana environment. I don't want to just contribute by putting out there another dashboard or digital report. It's gotta be meaningful. Um, I'm actually of the mindset that fewer is better, uh, especially in this particular category. So I sell it. I get up there. 
as if I'm pitching a storyboard of a movie. Um, I'm getting people engaged with my idea, why I feel it's the right direction. I'm walking them through wireframes or mock-ups to illustrate the power that the user experience can bring. Um, I, I try to illustrate both verbally, physically, and on paper the value that this is going to bring to the enterprise and where the insights are going to fall. And I don't just pitch my business partner or IT partner or senior leader that I'm building this thing for, designing this thing for. I'm pitching the IT delivery team as well. Because if they don't buy in on why are we doing this and why is it going to be important and they're not motivated or they're not encouraged or inspired, then they're just going to go about building this thing in kind of a, it, almost in a vacuum. Um, they're just going to go about their job, heads down, coding or building, and it's just another project. I like to get people excited about this work because when you have the right product, when you have the right tool telling the right data story, it's incredibly impactful. And so I, I try to just inspire and motivate, I think is, is the short of it. No, I, I really love that. Um, and David, we've um, talked about it with previous guests on this podcast. Um, again, a, as a healthcare quality and process improvement person, a lot of the work that we do is very technical in our own world of lean and Six Sigma, um, which means people run from us anytime they see us coming. And um, just the need to, again, kind of be better storytellers, but to be better salespeople of the work that we do. Um, I think, again, is going to resonate even, you know, from your view as a analytics professional and a visualization professional, that that takeaway, I, I really hope resonates with everyone who picks up this this episode. So um, thank you for that. Part thought. Of, yeah, part of our training, too, is not just on data visualization, but it's telling your story. Um, I consult, I educate, I train, and I speak on all of these topics. And within my consultation work, a lot of my consultations from business partners is, hey, I don't need a dashboard, but can you help me with this PowerPoint presentation? <laughs> or we're trying to tell our team's story um, and we're trying to understand ourselves, who we are and what we do. Can you help us craft that? And so I think it can apply to not just the data story, not just our personal team story, but can also apply to our processes. If we understand what we do better in a simpler way, we'll be able to communicate it better. So in general, there are skills that can be applied on many levels. Oh, I love it. And um, I always, you know, as I'm listening for, um, listening to my guest, David, I'm always kind of jotting down notes and I search for clip worthy comments. And that was absolutely a clip worthy comment. So I appreciate just those extra thoughts, man. It's just so spot on. I'm loving what you're bringing to the show so far. Next question, um, picking my list back up, because like I said, I'll go off script and then I'm like, oh, where was I? Uh, <laughs> uh, David, next question I have for you is I'd love for you to um, share with us one of your best aha moments that you've had as a healthcare professional. But again, kind of walk us through that moment. Uh, share with us how did that idea hit you? And definitely if you were able to turn it into a personal or professional success. So I was a fish out of water, as I mentioned a couple of times when I first started at Humana, and within the third week after venturing into my first failure, I had my first aha moment, which was story first. 
So everything that I've intuitively, naturally preach about now, it didn't come to me at first. In my previous career, it was obvious. It was straightforward. It was part of our day-to-day work. It was all about story. It was all about messaging, communication, uh, and, and showing that in visual ways to get people to care. Uh, when I was working for the World Wildlife Fund, it was about creating PSAs and posters for, um, you know, for the general audience to inspire awareness and to encourage support, donation to the organization with a simple photo or a tagline. What I didn't realize right away, because when I came into this world of IT, when I came into this world of data analytics, it was, it was all about, here it is, just put it together, let's do it, let's do it well, let's focus on the data, make sure the data is trusted and quality, and then let's get it out the door. And it was all about a factory type of environment. It wasn't really until a couple of weeks in that I realized what we were doing wrong. We were focusing on the data and the tool and not so much on the story. So once I started thinking about, wow, I, you know, my previous career, my previous work life really does play into this. It really can be beneficial. I wonder what happens if we take story first. That was a growing pain for the organization. Mm-hmm. Our business partners who were not IT or data connected or analytics connected loved it. They, it resonated with them. It was the IT silo, if you will, that had a little bit uh, more of a learning curve there as far as how to work that way since it was a little bit new and unique. Uh, Once it got implemented and we tested it on four or five projects, you know, that light bulb went off for everyone (laughs) that we're getting these projects done faster. We're getting them done with higher quality of product. We're working through all of the decision-making up front so that we're not struggling during the development process and extending the project out. So it was, yeah, there, there might be something here. And so I, I really took that, ran with it, started to develop the processes that I've used in my other jobs and applied it here, and it became intuitive for folks. People just started saying, yeah, that, that just makes sense. We should just continue to do it that way. Um, it's funny because when you work with people who are heavily left-brained, very analytical, very technical, being a right-brained individual, more creative, more inspirational, you, when you bring these ideas forward, sometimes the reaction is, I don't know why it works, but it just does. And I'm glad because this, this felt good. This, this just feels right. So, you know, there's a lot of psychology behind it. There's a lot of philosophy behind it. But when you apply it well, it comes across intuitive. And when it's intuitive, people adopt it. And when they adopt it, change can come from that. All right. Well, let me let me throw another kind of off script question at you, David, because I am literally um, working with a VP now who wants this uh, operational dashboard created. And it's a project that I'm picking up from another consultant that she was working with, um, jumped right in. And my first question to her in looking at this very massive, um, you know, dashboard that had a bunch of different data points that were coming from all over the place. Um, Seems like most of them are coming from people's emails. 
But um, my first question to her, David, was, uh, what's the story you want to tell? And when I asked her that, um, she had no story in mind. She just wanted data for the sake of having data. Um, so maybe to, to plug into your coaching and consulting mindset a little bit, um, how do you, you kind of create that mental shift with healthcare executives um, to say, hey, let's not just ask for the data, but let's think about the story. And how do you get them to kind of go into more storytelling mode versus I just need data. You know, we have to report out to the next exec board meeting or whatever the case may be, but, you know, flip the mindset to storytelling. Any, any best practices or tips that you've gained? It depends on the leader that you work with. Some are open to it, some are not. Um, some of our leaders are more, you know, come from the financial actuarial law-based industries and they are spreadsheet driven. That's what they like. That's what they've grown accustomed to consuming information in and they don't want it any other way. But these are the same people that have a Fitbit or these are the same people that look at a stock market ticker. Those are visual formats of complex data sets coming to you in very simplified ways to tell stories for insight for you to be able to act on immediately. Sometimes it's drawing that parallel. Sometimes it's that educational component of why do we tell visual stories and why is visual storytelling, specifically data storytelling, critical in the mind of a leader? I mean, you know, we really are visual consumers by DNA and genetics. I speak of this in, in some of my presentations, but for 40,000 years, we're we've been visual communicators. We painted on walls of caves to tell our story of daily life before the written word and spoken language. It has stuck within our cultures and our societies ever since, but we tend to lose sight of that. And even though it's an intuitive action, a lot of us struggle with identifying why it's important. So what I usually do is I, I, I continue to coach and preach around that educational component because for a lot of senior leaders, that is the critical step. If you don't just say, here's the dashboard, do you like it? And just wait until they say yes. Um, and we take more of the approach of here's what I did and why I did it. Maybe they'll start to understand a little bit more the value of it. More importantly, um, you know, my, my father taught me at a very young age the difference between needs and wants. And a lot of times our senior leaders say, I want. I want these measures. I want these metrics. I want these KPIs. I need to see this. But a lot of times, even though sometimes they do say that they need to see something, they don't always really need to see that thing. So understanding what the story is allows you to present what they actually need to do their job. When you get leaders who push back and want everything in the kitchen sink on the dashboard, that's when you have to kind of show two versions. This sometimes requires a little extra work, but when you can put together a visual mock-up or a wireframe of what they're asking for and then what you think is best, a lot of times they will lean toward the more simple solution. A lot of times too, leaders cannot imagine that what they're asking for can be presented simply. So it's, it's, it's a naivety on their part. A lot of times when you show it in a more simple manner, then they have aha moments like, wow, I've been viewing this the wrong way this whole time. So, you know, it's, it doesn't change overnight though. 
and it's and it's not to be expected that it's going to change overnight i think but the you know for for me it's been a six year journey so far and we still have senior leaders who push back a little bit at the end of the day you want to just continue to know that you're doing the right thing and uh if you tell better data stories eventually it, it, that those views will be adopted all right, wonderful. And I think a, a mix of what I also heard in your reply there, David, is that for us as the professionals, whether it's analytics or if I'm, you know, doing the analysis through my uh, improvement projects, it's really for us to kind of lay out the story, lay out the vision of kind of where this could go, present it to our leaders and kind of let them self-reflect on kind of what that story means as well um, and, and kind of drive us from their position. Uh -huh. yeah, absolutely. If we continue to be order takers and just do what we're asked, even if it's against better judgment or against what we know might work better, um, I feel like the responsibility comes back on our shoulders. It's not the senior leader at, the, at that point. Um, we need to empower ourselves in the analytics community, in the visualization community, to do what we know is the right thing to do. Um, with that said, you can't be selfish. You can't be of a mindset where your way is the only way or the best way. I think you have to do that within moderation. But if you are in, if you are trained in the profession of analytics or trained in the profession of visualization, then the reason why you are most likely at that company and was more hired was because of those skills. So utilize them. Um, you know, there's no reason why we should just be order takers to be order takers. Perfect. I love it. And um, definitely one of the most uh, empowering statements I think we've had on the uh, podcast to date. So perfect summation of that entire thought. I appreciate that, David. Um, next question I have for you. What are some of the changes taking place across the healthcare industry that you're most excited about? And what role do you see quality professionals, analytics and visualization professionals playing to promote and support it? Data democratization and data literacy. I think those are the two hot button topics right now. Um, we figured out in the analytics world, our BI environments, we figured out how to work with the technology to get better products produced. Uh, we're getting smarter about data, data sources, um, and just the data science portion of this. We have to really focus on decision science. Decision science really puts us in a place where we can still look at the data, understand the data, work with the data, process the data, but make decisions around the data. And data, or I'm sorry, decision science is essentially data literacy. What are we doing with the data? How are we working with it? How are we communicating it? How is it consumed? When you have leaders in particular who are more data literate, Honestly, you will find a relief in a lot of the asks that they have traditionally uh, put forth. A lot of times when they're more data literate, they know what they need versus what they think they want. And you find yourself in a better position right off the get-go. Data literacy 
needs to be improved in this country. We are increasing so quickly with our tech technological advances, with our data advances, that uh, we have to understand our data more before we just continue to pump out product containing data. Data democratization is also equally as important. More and more, uh, the concept of citizen development is increasing within these organizations, even within Humana. We are uh, the IT traditional, well, I should say the solution engineering traditional business model of everybody in, in the company come to us and we'll build your product for you um, is going away. We're empowering our business units and, and our, our, in some cases our leadership to self-serve. Well, in order to self-serve, you have to put the data out there. So there's a lot of data governance going on. Um, but data democratization, putting it out there for the masses to consume and use, overlapping that with a stronger data literacy program so that they understand what they're going to do with that data when they get access to it, how to tell better data stories, um, and, and kind of keep the reins on them and, and make sure that they don't go too far is really the, the forefront of the industry. In addition to that, you do have technological advances of artificial intelligence, augmented reality, um, immersive analytics, virtual reality. But these are, these are front-end technologies that we're learning to use to really do some cool cutting-edge stuff. But at the heart of it, if you think of that, that stuff as the car, when you think about the engine, it really is about improving and encouraging both data democratization as well as our data literacy. You know, the, um, the interesting thing about your response there, David, is that that applies to the healthcare industry a thousand percent, but I feel like that's, if nothing else, that's the American society, if not, you know, the world society oh. at large, so. Put data in my hands. Make, allow me to be in control of my own information. We see that in social media. Mm -hmm. We see that with the devices that we now wear to track our own wellness and health. Um, you know, people want to protect themselves. People want control. We're seeing that with, with products like Doctors on Demand. We're seeing it in the healthcare industry with apps. Uh, Humana has several apps that the member can manage their own information. Um, you know, I think it, it's, it's a long gone world where the doctors are the only one that understands our health or our insurance companies. Um, we, we want to empower ourselves to know more about ourselves in order to improve our own health and well-being. So yeah, it absolutely is just part of the, the mindset that we're in. So why not do that, not just in our daily life outside of work, but within work as well? Oh, absolutely. Um, I'll go ahead and move you to the next question because I, I guess in my head, it almost even starts to connect the dot with this part of the conversation. Um, but David, I would love to um, understand from your thoughts, you know, what does healthcare, the industry itself, need to do to become a more attractive place for, you know, ambitious, the up and coming um, data visualization and, you know, for our audience specifically, quality professionals, but just from your view of the world, what are some of the things that um, healthcare, you know, from your side, kind of a payer point of view, from my end, more of a hospital and ambulatory care point of view, um, just need to do to, to make sure we can make a space for the people to lead this journey in the near future? We can't be scared. We have to be future facing. 
we have to accept and embrace the challenges of technology. We have to understand and reinvent how we do things. We have to get ourselves out of the rut of the way we've always done it. I've noticed within just being in the healthcare space for the last six years, but this is true with many industry, uh, we become complacent with processes and we need to start breaking old habits. In order, fr from a data consumption, from a data analytical perspective, we're already thinking forefront on things like data use, technology, visualization, et cetera. We've already talked about a lot of that. But what we're not doing is we're not considering the systems and the processes that are in place in order to get there. Um, so we're finding ourselves having to go cloud native with our data, just as an example, because on-prem data doesn't support the future-facing goals and mission. Um, I think when you're in a healthcare space of, you know, or, or you're a clinician or you're within a hospital, there's a lot of locations that are very future-facing, bringing in a lot of new technology, but then again, there are a lot of locations that are resistant to change. Uh, personal health care, nursing facilities, rehab facilities, you see a lot of stagnant and antiquated systems there. Um, we just have to embrace it. We've got to jump on the bandwagon because there, there is no turning back. It's, it's not like Excel uh, reports are going to be a thing again in 10 years. <laughs> you know? so, so, from, so from a data storytelling perspective, um, you know, you definitely have to embrace the new technology. But yeah, I, I just think in general, we, we just have to be okay with change. Obviously, as we in the older generations move on and the younger generations come up, this is intuitive and natural for them. Uh, so I think with the change of guards, with the implementation of, of the younger generations coming in, we're gonna see it happening anyway, but I think we need to start now if we haven't already. Well, let me, uh, you know, just tack on just a little bit for that, um, the previous thought even around decision science, like you shared. Um, yeah. Those, you know, I guess what I'm seeing as I look across, you know, just the landscape here, um, I'm based out of Atlanta, for example, and one of the universities here uh, just kicked off a large PhD program around data analytics and decision science. Um, I know that's, you know, again, kind of one of those up and coming trends from an educational point of view, but what are some things that we as healthcare professionals may need to consider adding to our professional development or our skill sets to also, um, you know, help our current leaders, our, our future selves kind of embrace what's coming from, from this point of view? Awareness more than anything, we have to be, I think there's too much out there to get smart about quickly. Mm. It's not like we have the luxury of reading a book and spending six months to learn a new technology anymore. Um, so if you're not of a mindset of adopting and adopting quickly, then at least be aware of all of the things that are out there. General education really is the first step for a lot of folks. Understanding what data literacy is, for example, understanding what data democratization is, understanding the ways that we communicate data today. 
from my perspective, that's part of what I coach on. Um, from a systems perspective or just a general um, practitioner leader perspective, I think it's more about just being aware of what others are doing. At this point, I don't think we're creating a whole lot of new stuff, and there's no point in reinventing something that already exists. So being inspired by, what, by others is in itself eye-opening, can be an aha moment. Um, within Humana's market regions, all of our mar independent market leaders were creating programs around um, population health, and social determinants of health to help get their communities healthier. It was part of Humana's bold goal, which was 20% healthier communities by the year 2020. What we discovered though, were all these independent markets were working in silos. They were all coming up with phenomenal programs, implementing it in the communities very well with a lot of success. But what we discovered is two communities within a similar market were coming up with similar programs. They didn't know that each other was doing it. But then you have a community right next door that has the same challenge around, let's say, uh, a condition, but didn't know that there were programs that already existed to address that condition. So then they would go off and try to invent their, new, their own program. We created a tool where they can now see each other. They can see what each other is working on, they can share ideas and concepts and in a more communal fashion be inspired by. So what we're now seeing is in an expedited process of getting these programs in the communities and on the streets because instead of trying to invent something from scratch, they're inspired by others. And just that awareness, just that exposure was critical. Now that's a perfect way, I think, to summarize that thought. Um, and you're right, I mean, just that awareness to the just onslaught of information and all the programs, um, you know, the knowledge is power mindset. Um, I, I really like what you shared there. Um, David, I'm, I'm happy to share with you at least that you've made it kind of to a halfway point of our session. I'm gonna move us into a part of the show I call the two minute drill, which is kind of my version of um, rapid fire Q&A, but I uh, always love to check in and just make sure you're ready to rock and roll. I, I'm ready for this. All right, perfect. Well, David, first question I have for you, something of a two-parter. I uh, would love for you to share with the audience um, something about your current role that inspires you to do your best, but also share with us how do you inspire others in your organization? For me, it's trying to identify my particular unique added value. For me, what inspires me, what gets me in every day is identifying what can I bring to the table that hasn't been thought of before inside of Humana, specifically inside of Humana IT. Um, so I'm constantly looking through my resources and work that I've done and thought processes to say, how can we improve? I love streamlining process so that we can become efficient, delivering the best possible product in the least amount of time for the least amount of money possible. And so it's, it's consistently looking at ways we can do that. For the overall population, what inspires me most is being able to educate, lead by example, and share my knowledge. Um, it's free. I don't own it. it. I may have insights 
to some of it, but it's stuff that I've collected over the last 23, 24 years. So if I can help somebody who's up and coming in an analytics role or a visualization role and just give them the shortcut to doing the right thing the right way so that they can have a better foundation and not spin so many wheels, um, that is incredibly gratifying and satisfying for me. Watching others grow within this field um, allows me to kind of sit back and say, okay, great, we're getting the word out there. So if I'm not working on a project, I can trust that others are going to take that baton and, or torch and move it forward. Um, more importantly, when we get through the logistics and the technicalities of how to do it and how to do it well, people can become more creative and they can start to think of the next great idea. And then that inspires me because they're going to come up with an idea that I never thought of and we share that way. Perfect. And uh, I definitely got like this pay it forward vibe off of that. So I love your feedback there. Um, David, Absolutely. great question coming up for you, man. Looking forward to see what you got for this. But uh, question number nine, what is the best piece of career advice that you've ever received? Again, so many. <laughs> um, I, I've got two quick ones. So I, I mentioned it earlier, my dad, and, and I apply this to my career, not just my personal life, but my dad did teach me the difference between needs and wants. Mm. Work hard for what you need and the wants will eventually come. Um, I, I apply that in my career because we can overdo what we think is the best solution without and kind of dance around the topic and not actually ever get there. But if we focus on what the needs are and what that user experience is going to be and how people are going to interact with the information and how people are going to consume the information and the insights that, they, that we want them to gain from the information, we get there a lot faster. The second, um, when, I, when I started here, my leader at the time said, I don't care if you know anything about data and analytics you know how to tell stories and you know how to tell them visually. And if you focus on that, the rest of it, you can learn as you go. Now that I've gotten up on what data analytics are and, and how it works, and, and it's still overwhelming to me as a non-data science person, non-analytics person, I very much still think back to that moment where it's all about focusing on what you do best. And it goes back to focusing on the needs. So it just, it, it continues to serve as daily inspiration to keep myself grounded and focused because otherwise, I mean, as you know, you can go off the rails with this stuff, so. Yeah, awesome. No, I appreciate yeah. both of those. And, and let me do a quick time check. I'm projecting we're just gonna go a few minutes over our hour. Would you be okay with that? Or, or do you have any I other applications? Okay, all right, nope. thank you very yep, much. Uh, that was a perfect um, tie-in for both of those thoughts too, not to, not to lose those points, but I just wanted to make sure I still could tie you up for a few more minutes. Um, David, uh, this next question is uh, something of, of a fun question, I hope, but I uh, wanted to learn if you could trade jobs with anyone in your organization, uh, with whom would it be and why? I had the very fortunate experience of meeting one of our chief medical officers, our, our, I'm sorry, Chief Medical Director, uh, Dr. John Montgomery. And he is 
to say he's an inspiration is an understatement. Both in his personal and professional life, he has dedicated himself as a clinician, as a physician, and as somebody who works for a large payer. It's all about member first. It is all about the people that we serve in making sure that people can be their healthiest. Um, he is so passionate and so dedicated that I, I wish I had a fraction of his energy. All right, wonderful. Um, well, thank you um, for that shout out. I hope uh, he gets uh, to plug in with this episode <laughs> and hear that when we drop this show for you, but wonderful. I'll send him a link. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, next question I have for you, David. Uh, if you could please share a personal habit that contributes to your success when leading any of your analytics or visualization projects. I have a moment of meditation before every project, um, not in the literal, but in the figurative sense. I will go through similar to a pregame warm up. I'll start kind of exercising my muscle to think about, but in this starts really before that initial kickoff meeting or that design-led thinking session with a business partner if we're starting a new project, I kind of walk through what my questions are going to be. I try to walk through what I want to get out of that meeting so that within the course of that first hour, we can walk away feeling productive. Um, and so that moment to just ground myself, put myself in the moment, and to think about what the goals and objectives are really allows me to focus on the needs of the person looking for the product. No, I, I love that. I'm impressed by that statement because, you know, they say for professional athletes, at least, you know, when they get ready for the next play, if it's a football player, before they take the shot in basketball, they almost kind of see the success or what's coming next before they, before they even make the move. So um, very impressive. It's like, well, a, and uh, within our, Within our values, within Humana's culture, we are all about trying to be more present. Nice. And, and so I think by being present, by being in the moment, by being in that right mindset, we can all get overworked very quickly. We can all move very quickly. I think it's about slowing down just enough to make sure that, like I said, uh, the last thing I want to do is spin any wheels or put product out there that doesn't need to be out there. Wonderful. I love that. Um, David, what is your go-to website or mobile application for executing on the work that you lead? So I am not promoting anything <laughs> here. I am just simply telling you what I have accessed in the past. Fair, fair disclosure there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I'm a member of the Data Visualization Society, and that, from a data visualization perspective, data storytelling perspective is a wonderful organization that just started about a year ago. There are uh, over 15-ish thousand members around the world. And it is, it's, a, it's, it's, its roots are within a Slack community. And being able to interact on the go, real time, share ideas, share experiences, share um, resources, share upcoming events has been a phenomenal way that the data visualization community has connected. Another uh, two, if, if you'd allow me, one is yeah. uh, when I'm looking for visualization um, inspiration of how we can take data and make it more um, intriguing from a visualization storytelling perspective, 
I'll simply go directly to the D3JS library and just look at what's out there today. Um, again, I'm not gonna reinvent the wheel, so I'm uh, getting back to my point earlier. Leverage it, what's out there, be knowledgeable of what's out there so that you can be inspired. And then and, the last- And is, David, let um, me- it, let yep. me jump in really Please. quickly. Can you say that again? Because that one is even new to me. Um, but what was that that resource? Yeah. Uh, the D3JS library, um, if you go to d3js.com, um, it's basically uh, coded visualizations that you can download. Wonderful. And you can bring a lot of the, that stuff into your ClickViews and your Tableaus and your Power BIs. You can also bring it into your .NET applications. And if you know how to work with code, these visual examples um, are, are for the most part, free for public use. Um, there are some industries and some businesses that have restrictions on what you can bring down from a code perspective into your data environment. So you have to be mindful of that. But um, it's, it's a really great, you know, these, these beautiful, beautiful visualizations really smart people put this stuff out there for public access. And like I said, it just serves as an inspiration to say, what's out there? What can I leverage? What can I use? What can I mimic? Um, I love beg, borrowing, stealing ideas. Um, and people do it with my stuff too. And, but that's how we grow through this kind of shared communal, almost community of practice type of mindset. Okay, um, uh, lastly, that's wonderful, thank you for that. Yeah, lastly is dataliteracy.com. Ben Jones started on this venture uh, a little less than a year ago. He's been doing data literacy education for quite a while, uh, written books on the topic even, but he created dataliteracy.com. It is a fee service, but if you want to go through and be certified in data literacy, that's a wonderful resource. Um, there's also a lot of great information just kind of free out there as well from him. Uh, and he works very closely with the Data Literacy Project, uh, which was an initiative by the company Click, but it's all about promoting and educating on data literacy. Um, you can even bring them in and they can evaluate your organization to see how data literate you are, and then they even help you build a data literacy program to improve. Very wonderful, and I appreciate all of those resources. You know, this is kind of that that part of the show where it's definitely okay to give everybody a shout out if there are great resources for you, and um, hopefully our audience plugs in with them. The the D three JS, I know I will personally be looking at um, as as a new resource to me as well. But um, kind of in the same mindset, uh, David, you, know, you you touched on this just a little bit, but I'd love for you to share with our audience a professional society and a professional conference uh, that you also think would be a value add for them? There isn't one that meets everyone's needs. And there are hundreds of data visualization conferences or analytics conferences out there. To make your decision of which one to go to, if you only have the choice of one, I think is a little unrealistic. With that said, the ones that I have seen that provide a nice variety of value if you're looking for an analytics summit where you really focus on industry trend and being able to what, you know, what is the future of the um, healthcare analytics summit, which is actually coming up here, not, not too far in the, in the near uh, future. Um, it's provided by health, 
Health Catalyst is puts that one on. Now, Health Catalyst, Jarvis, if you remember down in Florida, we met several folks from that company. Yep. Um, it's, it's a wonderful organization. Um, they provide a lot of really great information, and they put on this summit every year. Uh, if you're looking from a more technical community um, and kind of a practitioner data science community, I think the um, IEEE conference is really great because that is put on by the Computer Society Technical Committee, and, and um, there's a component of that that's around visualization and graphics. So that is your dig down into the weeds get your hands dirty on the data, on the technology. Um, it, it's, it's a very, very technical thing, but I think for the data scientists and the data analysts, um, it's very, very beneficial. And lastly, you've got that very user-friendly type of conference, uh, Click World, the Tableau Conference. Um, you know, Microsoft has a really great conference every year. But these are more for your leaders and for uh, practitioners without being an expert, your citizen developers, your rogue developers, if you have any in your organization. But the folks who just want to pick up the t a tool or a platform, get really good at it, and implement things. Um, so there's conferences out there for everyone. But I think the, the Healthcare Analytics Summit is a nice it gives you a nice breath of all of that all right perfect and um david do you have a book that you would recommend to our audience um share with us what that book is and, and why it's a good recommendation on the topic of data literacy there's a subset topic uh called data fluency which is more how do you speak about data and how do you communicate data where data literacy is more about that consumption portion of it. Um, there is a book called Data Fluency. Uh, it was written by Zach and Chris Giamatti. They co-run a company called Juice Analytics in Nashville, Tennessee, and they wrote a book. Um, it's a very, it's technically heavy enough that your data analyst your data scientist, your actuary can actually get meaningful, applicable information from, but it's also really great from a leader perspective as well, just to understand the topic. Um, and Data Story by Nancy Duarte, she just wrote this book, just published it a few months back. It's on Amazon. Well, you can technically find both of those books on Amazon, but um, Data Story is really a high level. It is not a technical book at all, but it is a high-level communication book of how do you take data, how do you put visualizations to it, and how do you package a story around that. Um, and so Nancy Duarte, if you're not familiar with her, is a fantastic communications leader. She runs a company called Duarte. It's a communications firm out in California, and they produce several products around how to tell better stories through PowerPoint presentations and narration. Um, they have several books and several courses on how to be better at that. This is their version of how do you take all of that knowledge and apply it to data. Wonderful. Um, sounds like two really good 
uh, recommendations there. So um, I am quite the reader, so I'll be <laughs> plugging in with those too. Um, well, and it, what's nice is that the data story you can get through really quickly. It's it's a it's a, only a couple of days read, and we've got some really really great high level insight to keep in in the back of your mind. Where data fluency is a thicker book, it's more like I said, it has some technicality to it. So that's something that becomes more of a good reference. Okay, perfect. Well, my um, yeah, my wife. Um, funny enough, to our conversation, data um, David. Um, is a PhD statistician. So if you could imagine what our household is like and the books <laughs> on our personal library, um, it, it gets, you'll geek out pretty quickly. So <laughs> um, David, I'm right there at uh, my final question, um, but this is a personal favorite because I'm now gonna try to get you to reflect on your past and look forward to your future at the same time. So let's say you have uh, an opportunity to send one text message to yourself 10 years into the past and one text message to yourself 10 years into the future. Take a second and think about it, but what would you communicate in each one of those messages? To my past self, sending it to the past, I would say stay open um, and find a way to use your skills and craft differently. There was a point in my career where I was a designer's designer. It was all about the art and all about the how cool and how creative can I get? How trendy can I be? And I think I was closed off to how the foundational skill set that I have could be applied to other industries or how I can apply it in other mediums or other, other formats. Um, so that would be just more like a little bit of a, a tap off the side of the head to say, wake up, <laughs> right? Um, sending a note to myself in the future, whew, I almost feel like I would say the same thing <laughs> because with, technolo with technological advances, uh, you just don't know what you're gonna come across in the future, so you have to stay open. I think I would just, remind myself of where I come from and remind myself of stay grounded and stay true to who you are because my success has come from my sincerity. My success has come from me just being humbled by my experiences in life and my successes have come from me putting an honest foot forward to trying to come up with the best possible solution for the need. Um, and I think it's more about that reminder because as you know, with success comes all kinds of stuff. And um, I, I would just hope that if I continue to be successful, I don't lose myself in it. Wonderful, um, love both of those thoughts. And, you know, given um, uh, given I think the tone and the, the uh, Incredible amount of value and reflection you've brought to this show, David. Um, those two mindsets seem like what um, just makes sense from what I think I've gleaned from you so far in our hour together. Um, so awesome share there. And um, just to wrap us up, David, I'd love to end our conversation today with you giving our healthcare leaders, our quality people, our analytics and visualization experts that plug in with this episodes a parting piece of advice, um, share the best way that they could connect or follow you through social media, and then we'll officially sign off. 
I'm not huge on social media, so LinkedIn is by far the one tool that I use pretty regularly and heavily. So please reach out to me there. Um, I do post thoughts, philosophies, best practices. I will connect on a fairly regular basis. So if you want to follow there, feel free. Uh, that would be very exciting. Uh, and bring questions forward. Always happy to engage and meet new folks. The best piece of advice that I can have is stay focused. This is just broken record here, but stay focused on the story. It doesn't matter the position we're in. If we are dealing with data on any level, we have to understand better what we are trying to do with the data. Who are, who are we communicating to? What are we doing with it? What do we want it to bring forward as far as insight and meaning? And more importantly, make sure that your data story provides that next step actionable opportunity. If we look at dashboards or digital reports and we just shrug our shoulders and say, I don't get it, so what? Um, we've, we've lost. If we can provide an aha moment or an insight or it spurs action from leaders in particular, um, then we've done our job. So be true to the purpose of good data storytelling. It is a thing. It is, it, is, it is a real functional psychology that we go through as far as how we visually consume information. So um, you can learn more about that through some of the posts that I put out there. But at the end of the day, please be true to that data story. Wonderful. No, I appreciate that. Um, David, I, I really appreciate all of the insight, all of the words of wisdom that you've shared with us in this episode. And um, to our quality people everywhere, to our healthcare leaders, to our data uh, visualization and analytics leaders, um, really appreciate you all listening and making us a part of your day. This is Jarvis and David officially signing off. Thank you for listening to the Healthcare Quality Cast, brought to you by the Quality Coaching Company. If you love the Healthcare Quality Cast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review. Until next time.